Pastor Xavier Reese and foregoing all you cannot keep, for that you cannot lose. The one determined to save his own life by going the worldly way loses all eternally. The one determined to lose his life for Jesus, forfeiting all the world, gains everything eternally. Now, who do you think is the wise investor? When you invest, you do it for the long run. If you go for the short run, you lose your shirt. The same spiritually. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In our culture, the cross is often relegated to being a good luck charm, a stylish piece of jewelry, a trendy tattoo, and at best, a symbolic piece of art. The simple truth is, however, death by crucifixion was considered the most painful, gruesome, and shameful way to die. Well then, if the believer is said to be saved by grace, what did Jesus mean when he said we're to take up our cross and follow him? Today, Pastor Xavier continues his study series in the Gospel of Luke with the spiritual gains afforded those who have committed to discipleship. Let's listen. Luke chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 23 to 26. And the message entitled, The Cost of Not Being a Disciple because that's the focus of this section. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now notice the invitation has conditions by choice. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily to follow me. The first condition is to deny himself. Now, this is not self-denial of certain things as it's usually taught, but the character of one's conversion, realizing that I come as I am. I'm not coming my own merit, but what Jesus did. The second condition is to take up his cross. This is the outcome and result of denying oneself. The cross was used, as you know, by Jesus as a symbol of death, Rome perfected that from the Carthaginians, the Persians, then Rome. Jesus had denied himself to come and die on the cross for sinners. He's the primary example. The third condition, notice, then is to follow Jesus. The word is used for the virtue of faith and faithfulness, obedience and dependency, following, not leading. Godet said there are three things necessary for traveling. Listen carefully. First, to say farewell to self. Second, to carry one's baggage, the cross. Third, to proceed with the journey. Follow me. That's good. The invitation to be a disciple is for spiritual gain. Spiritual gain. Now notice secondly, comes the explanation of the invitation to be a disciple, verse 24 and 25. The first part of 24, the person deciding not to be a disciple of Jesus is warned about destroying their life. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Really, the focus of the passage is the high cost for one who denies to be a disciple. The opposite of his intended purpose is the result. 
leaning to his own understanding and being persuaded that his way will preserve both his physical life and the spiritual journey, he is self-deceived and is on the road to destruction. Even while he's living it out on earth, he's destroyed. He's lost it. Notice the second part of 24. The person deciding to be a disciple of Jesus is given a promise of life. Now you have the flip side. You have the one who rejects, now the one who receives. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Jesus says this person considers the cost of a disciple to be worth it. Due to having denied themselves, taking up their cross daily and following Jesus. So Jesus stated the incredible gain by losing one's life for his sake. Listen, we'll save it. This is true of this person. The one before, it was self-deception. To the first one, a warning. To the second, a promise. The difference between the two individuals is great, and that's the point of this little section here. The person attempting to save their own life, though they may have obtained riches, fame, and incredible pleasure on any and every level that you might imagine, all of them are temporal. The loss is irreparable. You can't go back. It's done. The person trusting in Jesus to save his life, in contrast, though he or she may lose wealth, health, fame, even life for Jesus, the gain is much greater. It's eternal. What a shocking contrast. So clear. So notice in verse 25, the person listening is to reflect on the unwise choice to not be a disciple of Jesus. This is what he focuses on. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Jesus has just stated the certain destiny of the two individuals. The one determined to save his own life by going the worldly way loses all eternally. The one determined to lose his life for Jesus, forfeiting all the world, gains everything Eternally. Now, who do you think is the wise investor? <laughs> when you invest, if you go on the market, you do it for the long run, not the short run. If you go for the short run, you lose your shirt. <laughs> the same spiritually. You go for the short run, you lose your soul. You go for the long run, you gain your soul. Jesus is appealing to the hearer to consider how irrational and illogical it is to not be a disciple of Jesus. The first part of the question is hypothetical. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? Hypothetical in that no person can gain the entire world. Hypothetical in that no person will ever gain the entire world. He cannot and he will not. But it's a given. The hypothetical is presented as if it could be, literally, having gain. Let's just give him that, that he gains everything. And then the question, notice, as a whole, is rhetorical. For what profit is it 
to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? There's only one answer. None. No profit at all. The temporal gain or advantage does not outweigh the eternal loss of the individual soul, no matter what you gain. In fact, Matthew and Mark add this. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16, 26 and Mark 8, 37. What is it that you, whatever you think would be worth eternity? Think maybe a house? Some beautiful babe? What? You fill in the blank. The world promises much but delivers very little, ladies and gentlemen. The benefit to the majority of us is that the majority of us in this church have come out of the world after living in the world as adults. You can never replace experience by knowledge. Once you've been there, you know the ugliness of it. The world is not a friend of Jesus nor of the gospel. Therefore, the world's not a friend of you. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 15, 18 through 19. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Don't ever think that the world loves you as a Christian. The world tolerates you. But as the world changes, culture changes, it becomes more hostile to Christianity. They'll express it real quick. Whatever the culture allows them, they will do against you. The world is very attractive and promises happiness and contentment, but the evidence all around us proves different. In fact, listen to 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Think of American past, those of you who are 40 and over. When you grew up, a different America. It was great to live in America, but things are changing. We're in free fall. Now it's a little different. But see, we're blinded because we lived in a little paradise. But the rest of the church has always lived under persecution. So our environment and our safety can deceive us. The believer is exhorted and warned about deceptiveness of money. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, um, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money, not money itself. For which some have strayed from the faith. Some have strayed from the faith. That means Christians. You cannot stray from something you don't have. In their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. 1 Timothy 6.7 says, Command those who are rich... In this present age, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Nothing wrong with the house, nothing wrong with the car, nothing wrong with having a nice haircut or whatever it is. But trusting and living for those things and thinking that that's what makes me, I've lost it. I'm brain dead. The only way sinners are saved is through the gospel. No other way. Paul the Apostle as he went to Corinth, you know, that uh, he was afraid and God told him to stick around. He had many people in that city. He stuck there for 18 months and then writing back to them in 1 Corinthians 1, 19 through 21, he says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the dispute of this age? Has not God made foolishness the wisdom of the world? 
The wisdom of man today is stupidity tomorrow. It went from paper bags at the grocery store to plastic bags because that was better. Not 20 years later. So now they charge you for a paper bag. Bunch of creeps. <laughs> for since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. They looked at Jesus and said, that's not God. It's just a man. Hey, he's a religious freak. The wisdom of the world, blind to the things of God. Arrogant. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message. Not the preaching of foolishness. The foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. What a miracle of God. You are the greatest miracle in the world as you sit there clothed and sane, just as I. <laughs> the explanation of the invitation is to be a disciple. It's eternal loss. Eternal loss if it's rejected. Notice, thirdly, comes the condemnation for rejecting to be a disciple. 26. The character of those who deny to be a disciple comes first for whoever is ashamed of me and my words. Jesus revealed the heart of those rejecting to be a disciple. The word for again introduces the reason they were ashamed of Jesus. There's the reason. Simply means ashamed to be embarrassed or coward to be identified as a disciple of Jesus. They were proud to reject Jesus and more proud to be identified with the world. You say, hey, are you a Christian? No, not me. You crazy? Jesus revealed that he and his word are inseparable. Mark them together. The shame or reluctance to want to be associated with or be one with Jesus as a disciple is through his word. Mark also mentions the gospel and me and my words in Mark 838. He just asked the gospel. The word of God reveals Jesus as the God-man, as you know, the redeemer and savior of the world. So the gospel is preached and the Holy Spirit gives illumination and conviction and prompts the heart and then people make decisions. They believe, faith and belief, not unconditional election. <laughs> Book of Hebrews, faith, 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 belief, belief, belief. A person is brought to the conviction of their sin by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. A person repents through hearing the gospel. Jesus and his word are considered to be the instrument. They point to one another. But by those who reject, they're a bit hard to believe to be true or important. They say things like, well, both seem more like religious fables. Jesus, the word of God, it's God's word from heaven. It's inerrant. It's infallible. There's real prophecies there. Both are accepted, they say, by children and unintellectual and uneducated people. Who's the wise? Who's the fool? You can believe in a rock. You can believe in Islam or in anything you want, but you cannot believe in Jesus Christ. This is the new policy of America. Make no mistake of it. Make absolutely no mistake of it. Notice the character of the one to judge those who deny to be a disciple comes next. Of him, 
the Son of Man will be ashamed. The one who decided to choose the world over Jesus will be recompensed in kind the same way. The Son of Man will be ashamed of him. The title Son of Man, as you know, indicates the humanity of Jesus while being God at the same time. Jesus, the Word, took on flesh, John 1.14. The day is the second coming of Jesus that's being referred to here. Though the white throne judgment is not till after the millennial, the thousand-year reign, he indicates his rejection of them even at this time. Jesus will be ashamed of them, giving them their due reward, sowing to what they have reaped, honoring what they have chosen. God forces no one to go to heaven. God has never predestined one person to go to hell without an opportunity for them to choose where they want to spend eternity. The one who rejected Jesus in their life will come face to face with the judge of every person ever born. Everybody talks bad down here. They all have a big mouth. There's so, ah, there no God, there's no heaven. I, you know. You're going to be face to face with Jesus, every person. Jesus in this judgment will say to some, depart from me. I never knew you. Jesus will be absolutely just in all of his verdicts. Perfect judgment. There will be no opportunity for salvation at this point. Don't let no one deceive you. Anybody who tells you there's a second opportunity after death is a liar and a deceiver. You must make your reservation before you get there. That's even a good policy if you're going to go on vacation. (laughs) He returns to destroy the armies of the world, the Battle of Armageddon. He returns to judge the nations on how they treated the Jew during the Great Tribulation. He returns to set up the kingdom for Israel. When he comes in his own glory and in his father's, in the holy angels, Jesus will come back as the glorified Christ in his own glory. Read chapter 1 of Revelation. (laughs) Standing in the midst of his churches, looking at everything, warning his churches. Jesus will come back with radiance, full of splendor, as we read the scriptures. He will come as a redeemer, savior, king of kings, and lord of lords. He will be seen by all, a lightning out of the east. He will bow down to no one. He will rule over everyone. Jesus will come also in his Father's glory. He was the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He was obedient in everything to the Father, even unto death. He was bringing sinners to the Father. So he comes back not only in his glorified form, but in the glory of the Father, in obedience to all that the Father gave him. Jesus will also come in the glory of the angels, notice. They are his servants. They are ministering spirits to the earth of salvation, Hebrews 1.14 says. They are accompanying Jesus at the return of his second coming. The white throne judgment is going to be a horrible time as those who have mocked and ridiculed Jesus in the gospel will face their judgment as those who um, persecuted and killed disciples of Jesus as those who were passively indifferent well I just you know I just think we should just love one another and I, I don't make a difference and you know it's the wrong place to be listen to um, Matthew 10 28 through 33 
And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. What is it that we don't understand? America has never faced spiritual persecution where someone holds a gun to your head and say, deny Jesus or die. The rest of the world has. Revelation 20, 12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Don't miss nothing. That's the white throne judgment. Horrible time. The judge will be no one but Jesus Christ. The main sin will be having rejected Jesus as Savior, Redeemer. The person's sins will only um, add to their eternal sentencing. There will be no one to correct Jesus. Listen to John 5, 26 and 27. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given to him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. In Matthew 24, 30, it says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The world laughs at this, mocks at this, but it's certain. It's absolutely certain. And Revelation 19, 12 through 16 says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. That's for all, the, all you pacifists. <laughs> okay? This is God. This is Jesus. His eyes were like flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, follow him on white horses, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Get familiar with the script. You'll be coming back with him. <laughs> what an incredible day that's going to be, but a very horrible day at the same time. It all depends whether you're a disciple of Jesus or you reject to be a disciple of Jesus. The condemnation for rejecting to be a disciple is the greatest loss. And so Jesus, under the shadow of the cross, declared the cost of being a disciple. The invitation to be a disciple is for spiritual gain. The explanation of the invitation to be a disciple is eternal loss. And the condemnation for rejecting to be a disciple is the greatest loss. A person does this, not God. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, contrasting the cost of discipleship versus the eternal price paid by those who reject the gospel. More simple truths he draws from our study series of Luke. And today's Simple Truths message, The Cost of Not Being a Disciple, is available on CD for only $4. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is The Cost of Not Being a Disciple, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. And then join Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time for more Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 